you're listening to In the Press Box. Now, here are your hosts, Dalton Bishop and Josh Dakin. And welcome everyone to season one, episode number seven of In the Press Box. He's Josh Dakin. I am at Dalton Bishop and we're excited. Finally got our issues figured out and we're able to bring you an IU episode. It's been a couple of weeks, but nonetheless, we are excited. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the IU quarterback situation between Sorsby and Jackson. We're also going to talk about the reconstruction of the Big Ten. Now 20 teams involved. We'll also dive into IU basketball and talk about is Mike Woodson the guy? We'll dive all into all of those things here on episode number seven of In the Press Box. Hope that you've enjoyed the first six episodes. I know we've had a blast. Josh, as always, man, it's always fun to get together. It's fun to get together, and it sure is fun to talk sports. You know, we're getting ready to really start talking sports when we start announcing this next week. So if you have a chance, make sure you listen to us on the Action Sports Network. But happy that you can join us here and... As you know, we love to talk IU sports. Absolutely. You mentioned the Action Sports Network. What a great opportunity Andy McCord has given us. Again, we will be announcing our first event of the year coming up on Tuesday, a volleyball match between Marion and Northfield. Of course, we'll share all that information on on our social media pages, uh, our personal social media pages, for you to listen into that. Without further ado, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the IU football situation uh, at quarterback with uh, Sorsby and Jackson in a close race. Yeah, I mean, it's a close race because Coach Woodson and or Coach Woodson. <laughs> That's I'm coming th- up I later. Know, I'm thinking basketball. <laughs> uh, Coach Allen and Coach Bell have not given any kind of tip as to who the quarterback's going to be. And I feel like every year Tom Allen does this to the IU fans. He doesn't announce a starter until essentially game time, and we're going to be sitting there in Bloomington Saturday afternoon ready for this Ohio State game, and we're going to be looking down there on the field, and we're going to see both guys taking probably first-team reps, and it's going to be a guessing game as to who we're going to get. But the reason that this question is being posed is, who do you think is better fit to start week one? From, From my standpoint... I, and again, I, I I really don't know. I think this is a question you could ask 200 people, and you're probably going to get a split on 100 people are going to say Brendan Sorsby, and 100 people are going to say Taven Jackson. Um, I don't know. You look at the accolades, and Taven Jackson presents a high ceiling, I think, when you look at he went to Tennessee um, and was – probably going to be not a starter up until probably maybe a junior or senior in college, which brings him to IU, um, which is, in my opinion, a very good fit for him and the IU football program. Me personally, I'm probably a little biased when I say this. I'm going to say Taven Jackson probably in big time game situations against an Ohio State team, someone who can not only run the ball, but also throw the ball. I think he's probably a good fit, but Soresby's numbers and and maybe his ceiling is there too. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's it's hard for me to lean one way or the or the other. But my personal opinion, I think Taven Jackson's probably a better starting quarterback in the Ohio State 
game, but I, I think Tom Allen, again, will probably go split time with with Soresby and him, just kind of, you know, letting Taven – I don't want to say put him in the big high-pressure situation at first because I think any time that you play Division One football, it's a high-pressure situation. But I think he's just going to kind of let him get his feet wet a little bit. Then he'll throw Soresby in, or he'll start with Soresby and then throw Jackson in for a little – I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, and I think a couple things that stand out to me is, number one, neither of them have really any experiences being a quarterback, a starting quarterback, for a group on the field. They have little to no uh, experience behind the center in a game at the college level. Jackson hasn't seen really any. Soresby seen maybe a few snaps last year. I mean, not a ton that I can remember. I mean, less than 20, I would say. And that number could be wrong. So I think it's pick your poison week one. You already have the daunting test of playing Ohio State at home to open the season with a new media deal. You've got to juggle so many different things, and I just don't know that either one of them is the right answer. I'm also very biased. Trace Jackson Davis is one of my favorite basketball players. So I want to say, of course, Taven Jackson is the guy. I really don't know. I think he's the more athletic. I think he's probably better equipped. I think he's got a better chance in the long run, I believe. But once again, then I don't know. And I kind of look back to Tom Allen. You know, I've been watching a couple of the press conferences that he hosts on Facebook Live and stuff. A couple weeks ago, he mentioned something along the lines of the idea of running the two-quarterback system. He says, the last time that IU was good, we played two quarterbacks. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. You know, you had Ramsey, you had Penix, you had a mixture here. A lot of it was due to injury. But he brought up the fact that he thinks that for IU to be the best they can be, they need to run the two-quarterback system and kind of mix and match and throw both of them out there. I don't disagree with that fact, but I don't know that I like that as a fan because then how do you build consistency and chemistry with players when you're throwing in a quarterback, you know, every other series on the field or, you know, every couple series or every half or however Tom decides he's going to do this. So I think there are a lot of things that make me suspicious of what's going to happen this year. I don't know that suspicious is the right word, but... It makes me question, what are we doing? Right. I, I, I really don't know what to think. I wish they'd give us a little bit of a hint. You know, year two under Walt Bell as the offensive coordinator, we better see an increase in offense, or he needs to be packing and he needs to be going elsewhere. Uh, I usually give coaches a couple years, but IU had the worst offense in the FBS last year. It was the most atrocious, embarrassing thing to watch. You know, there's only really one game where we scored more than 30 points that I can remember off the top of my head, and that was Michigan State in overtime. So not really an offensive juggernaut, so hopefully one of these quarterbacks can kind of flip that script. I mean, do you have anything else to add, do you think? Well, I mean, I want to bring up a couple of points. My first point, since you wanted to bring up how terrible IU was on offense last year, I'm glad that we always tailgated before the games. It made it a little more... Uh, let let time pass by a little yeah. better. But uh, no, with all, all jokes aside, uh, I, I thought Derek Decker, who was on our last show and one of our good friends, brought up a, a very good point about Taven Jackson when, when we asked him that question, who do you think starts week one? 
He said when you bring in a guy with a ceiling like Taven Jackson, he's probably going to be able to keep you in games more than someone like a Soresby because of his ceiling. But we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen him play at the quarterback spot. We don't know how he's going to fit into Walt Bell's system. I'm not a Walt Bell fan. I love IU football, but I think Walt Bell's terrible. I'm kind of like you. If he can prove to me this year that with a two-quarterback system that Tom Allen has mentioned about going with, that it's going to work, then maybe I gain some more respect back for him and kind of you know one of those deals where over time he grows on you type of deal then then maybe but i don't know um their their offense was atrocious last year i you, you know it's easy to point the finger you know this being a coach it's easy to point the finger at the guy in charge you know and the guy in charge of the offense was walt bell so it's easy to just point your finger at him and say oh he's the reason why the reality of it was the offensive line wasn't very good it's going to be a much improved unit this year Connor Bazelak was atrocious. We talked about in our first IU episode, and I'm not going to get into that because my blood pressure will skyrocket. Um, there was just so many things going against IU last year offensively that that hurt them. So maybe this year a better and improved offensive line. I would say a major improvement at the quarterback position. Maybe not initially, but long term, I would say. Um, the fact that you returned some guys and some weapons like Jalen Lucas and um josh henderson's i you know i know you hate when i say josh henderson you probably heard me say it a million times over the last year but his production when he was in last year was was good he was he was good sean shivers was really good offensively when he could get going yeah but it was that simple fact that he wasn't going to have the power to break that initial hit that henderson had i don't know you can get down a rabbit hole talking about iu and where they were good at, where they lacked at last year, but the reality of it is, is will they be improved? I guess my question for you, will the offensive line be able to sustain enough time to give a Soresby or a Jackson enough time to throw the ball to where they're not running for their life? Because, and I, and I, again, I, I thought Baselak was terrible, So, but in his defense he didn't really ever have time to throw the ball and he wasn't going to be able to scramble and run for 15 20 yards so will the line be able to hold up for one of those two guys yeah i mean i think the line will hold up and i think if the line doesn't hold up jackson's going to be the better option because he can scramble a little bit better he can get out and run and pull a jalen hurts or justin fields and break off 70 yards at a time I just the the line's going to be much better. Tom Allen went out and got good coaches. Okay, he really did. Coach Allen saw that there was a need to kind of change the coaching staff a little bit, and he essentially cleaned house to an extent. Got some new guys in there. You know, he hired a co-defensive coordinator. He hired a co-offensive coordinator. He hired a new line coach. Um, Allen's not calling the defense anymore. He's just going to manage the game and be the head coach, if you will. Tired of him <laughs> trying to call the defense and manage the game at the same time. Not as much uh, As much as I love <laughs> Coach Allen, and you know I'll bat his side all the time, I cannot stand when he's over there trying to mess with the defense and the game's going on and they're out there on offense and he's not paying attention. Like Your job is you're the head coach. Manage the game you hire guys to do that stuff and then you add your little tweak to it, not do the whole thing. So I think with those upgrades to the coaching staff 
and Coach Allen not wearing so many hats now, I think that it actually helps Indiana become a little bit more consistent. Josh Henderson's now taken over a leadership role. You know, that should add some depth to that running back position with Turner coming in from Wake Forest. Jalen Lucas going to be utilizing the backfield. I love what Tom Allen said about really getting Lucas the ball more often. A lot of times he would I, not be on the field third down or not on the field for a big play. And now all of a sudden Tom Allen's like, we've got to get him the ball. We've got to get him out in space. We've got to let him do what he's good at, and that is make people miss and get into the end zone. Yeah, Jalen Lucas was huge last year for our mighty Hoosiers, and I, I can't wait to be in Bloomington. There's no better place to be on a Saturday afternoon early evening than Memorial Stadium and at Bloomington. And what's this restaurant I'm hearing about that, that Bloomington's adding? Or, or there was a restaurant in Bloomington that's been added to Noblesville, maybe. Oh, you're Buffaloes. Buffaloes. It's I, the best wings you'll ever have in your life. Cody says, our, our friend Cody says that it's, it's legit. It's not only legit, it's the real deal. I mean, I've never taken you down to Buffaloes. We'll have to go this year. It's my favorite, my second favorite restaurant in bloomington it's they've got wonderful wings. what's number one uh mother bears pizza i'm <laughs> I, i'm biased to mother bears always have been kind of a place we go every time i go down to bloomington so mother bears is great they've got a lot of great places on kirkwood avenue so you know get down there and experience it i cannot wait till september 2nd when we're in bloomington watching ohio state yeah. take on indiana i really i really hate to to bring this up because it's not has has nothing to do with football but you and i th this upcoming thursday are going to be in fort wayne uh watching the 10 caps two dollar drafts can we maybe talk to memorial stadium into selling two dollar drafts for ohio state iu so that i can lick my wounds a little more when we're down 35 at halftime and you're ready to leave well not <laughs> only will i be ready to leave at halftime when it's 35 to nothing if they had $2 drafts, the students wouldn't be able to get back to their apartments back on <laughs> campus, and I would not be able to get back up here to Gas City after the game. <laughs> so it's probably best they don't do $2 drafts to where I don't find myself at the concession stand every five minutes. <laughs> every time there's a touchdown for a Buckeye, we're, we're in line. But no, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to being down at Memorial Stadium September 2nd. It's the... Ohio State Buckeyes and our mighty Indiana Hoosiers, and uh, I'm gonna—I'll I'll take the the line. I, you know, I'm not gonna go money line, but I'm gonna take the over under. I'm gonna take the over under on our Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna keep her close. Mark my words. What do you think? Every blind squirrel gets a nut every now and again. Man, I think the, I don't know. It's gonna <laughs> the line's gotta yeah, be yeah. twenty eight, probably. I think it'll open at forty two. That's just me. But well, I'll definitely take it then. I, I think that it's not even going to be a contest, and I hate to say that as a Hoosier fan, but I'm trying to be a little bit more realistic in my ideologies when I think of how good we actually are. I just, we're not there yet. We're not. We're getting closer. I feel like every year we get a little bit closer, but we just aren't there yet. No, and it, it's going to be, it's going to be probably a rough week one, but here, here's the bright side to all of this that we're talking about. We talk about the Ohio States. We talk about the Michigan, the Michigan States, the Penn States, and all of that. But now the reconstructing of the Big Ten with 20 teams, it's going to help IU. And I originally, 
And if you go back and listen to it, I was not on this this train of that's going to help IU. I, I thought, man, there's no way that adding a UCLA, adding Oregon and teams like this is going to help IU. But when you look at the big picture perspective of it all and the fact that in football anyway, that you're not going to have to every single year play a Penn State, a Michigan, a Michigan State, Ohio State, then your record probably is going to get better and you're probably going to have a better shot at going to a bowl game just simply in the fact of not all of these guys that we're playing, all of these teams are, are going to be the juggernauts. Well, and I also said that I thought, well, I said the exact opposite. I thought that it was going to get easier for Indiana. And then I think I, you kind of got that perspective. And then we had Derek on and he kind of also said it was going to be easier well, that was when the Big Ten was only considering to bring two teams on with UCLA and USC. Now we've got... Well, now they just added Oregon and Washington, and now the restructuring is going to look totally different. They are, and this is just in the drafts right now. I don't know how for sure this is going to be. Um, nothing from the Big Ten has officially came out and said that this is what it's going to look like. But I have a couple people that I follow on Twitter that are knowledgeable and within this topic. They are going to go back to divisions now. And there's going to be a Big Ten and Pacific Ten then within the Big Ten. And Indiana would still be in the Big Ten and it would be like the East Division. And it would still be Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, IU, Rutgers, Maryland, and then I think the three teams that were added, because I think that seven would be Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue. Once again, this is all theory. There's not been anything for sure set in stone with that. I think with adding two more teams and making it 20, and if they decide to go to the two divisions like so, I think it actually really hurts IU. It does. And the fact that they <laughs> still have to play those four teams Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State, but it could ease the schedule a little bit with a Purdue if they're down and Illinois if they're down, which right now Illinois is the best team in the West, mind you, and then Northwestern, who is in the absolute slump, like in the dumps right now. Can't find a head coach. They fired Pat Fitzgerald for supposedly hazing players. Um, they're just, it's a mess right now in Evanston, so... I don't know if this really helps Indiana. It's nice for the Big Ten to continue to grow. 20, I think, is way too much for a conference myself. But with the new the new style of conference, if you will, this is going to become a common theme. I was talking to Greg Allison today. One of my, you know, we're going to have him on the show here in a week or two, the head basketball coach at Eastbrook kind of like what does this mean for the Big Ten and he's like it has nothing to do with the Big Ten it has to do with m the media deals I'm going to fire him from the show by the way after all that crap you guys were talking to me which we can dive into that on our next uh, uh -huh. Wednesday episode yeah but so uh, it has a lot to do with m the media deals like we honestly think that Notre Dame's going to join. Well, I don't know that we think this. I don't think this. <laughs> he had he had mentioned that Notre Dame will then join the Big Ten now that NBC has a media deal with NBC and Fox. So then 
to compete with these schools, you're going to have to join the Big Ten because from what we're understanding now and what we're starting to see is the ACC is on the brink of falling apart too. And, and that's a point Derek brought up a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah, so the ACC is on the brink of actually falling apart. So the Pac-12 didn't have a media deal with any of the, <laughs> the major networks. ESPN was the only one. But ESPN has now come out and said that they support the SEC solely. So now what's the ACC going to do? The ACC network is part of ESPN. So there's going to lead to some there's going to lead to some friction there between the two. So the idea of the ACC falling apart and now you only have the Big 12, the SEC and the Big 10 is looking like it's going to be the case. So the Big 10 can end up being much more than 20 teams. And then the question was brought up, well where does IU stand in all of this? Once they add so many teams, they're going to want to cut the fat off, if you will, right. of the stake and get rid of some of these teams that aren't so good. Well, what has IU done that has been good for the Big Ten Conference sports-wise in the last 10 years other than girls basketball made it to the Elite Eight? That's what I mean. Nothing. It's, it's, it's a bad ordeal. So the theory of IU being even kicked from the Big Ten – is something that could quite possibly be on the table in the future. Not saying that that's going to happen, but with the way things are going, and a great point was brought up, this week one game, Ohio State-Indiana. It's going to be the first game in that 3.30 time slot on CBS, first time for the Big Ten in this new media deal. I think, and before we go any further, and I think I kind of know where you're going with this, actually I'm going to let you finish, and then I'll, I'll share what I... So, like, it's IU-Ohio State. Let's just say Clemson or Notre Dame join the Big Ten. You would get so much more viewership if it was an Ohio State-Clemson, 330 CBS, Big Ten football to open the season, than an IU-Ohio State, 330 kickoff on CBS to open the season. The validity is so much more powerful if you have a team like Clemson or a team like Michigan-Ohio State or if you have a team like Notre Dame. So I think the Big Ten's going to start going and poaching some of these bigger schools, Florida State, Florida. Well, Florida's in the SEC, but like Florida State and teams like that, they're going to try to get, I think they're going to trim the fat. I use not getting a lot of viewership from football especially, I would say. So I could see them maybe trying to wean them off and get them away. Once again, we're not saying that this is going to happen, but we were just kind of talking about it, and I actually didn't agree with him at first, but I've had a couple hours to think about it now, and I kind of do agree with him. I think it very much could be done that way. And and now to that point, what I was going to say is that if somehow, some way, IU finds a way to make it competitive, and I don't want to say, like, when I say competitive, I'm saying if the spread's 42, maybe you lose by 21. Like, if IU finds a way to somehow make it somewhat competitive, somewhat stay alive, give themselves... I don't, I don't really know how I want to word it. Like, I if they don't get blown out and they shock the world, because everybody going into that game is like, Ohio State's going to blow them out. Mm -hmm. Ohio State's going to kill IU. If uh, IU keeps it within a reasonable number and what three scores to me is a reasonable number against an Ohio State considering what you've done in the past against them I think that kind of gets the viewership I don't want to say it's going to bring the viewership up for IU but people are going to be more liable to 
the next year that you play them, more liable to tune in and say, can IU make somewhat of a game out of this? They lost by three scores, was projected to lose by six scores. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if that even makes sense, what I said, but in, in, my, in my little small world in my head, I think it makes sense. But for someone looking at a bigger picture, like of cutting the, the fat off the meat and, and wiggling these teams out, I don't know. It's just something in my head that when you brought that point up that was like, well, if IU can somewhat make it a competitive game, would their viewership then go up the next year when they play Ohio State? Correct. And I'm not even saying it's so much just the Ohio State game. I just mean in general. Like as a whole. But I'm saying if that that matchup itself could gain you some more exposure. Yeah, I get that. But I just know that there's a bigger following for a Clemson or a Notre Dame or something like that. There's no doubt. So why have IU play Ohio State at 3.30 on CBS? And another thing that somebody had mentioned to me, and this was not even a topic or conversation that I was talking to with Greg, it was more of, well, why don't they just get rid of like a Northwestern, the smallest institution in the Big Ten? Well, it excels in academics, and the Big Ten wants to keep those highly academic schools there. Them in Michigan are two of the most outstanding. And... It's just outside of Chicago. There's a large number of people in Chicago, and viewership is going to be through the roof with keeping a Northwestern on board just because a lot of people in the Chicago area root for Northwestern or root for Illinois. So you can't get rid of either of those. IU, what do they bring to the table? They're not this prestigious institution for learning. I mean, it's great. I graduated from there. I love every bit of it. But it's not as outstanding as a Stanford or a Cal or a Northwestern or any of those kind of schools, Michigan, you know. So I I don't want to say IU is going to be kicked from the Big Ten. (laughs) I don't foresee it happening. IU has been in the Big Ten, you know, for a very long time. I just think that you need to start as people who watch college sports need to start thinking that change is really on the way. Because the Pac-12 is down to four, three teams now. Well, four for the moment. You got Oregon State, Washington State, California, and Stanford. But the SEC or Big 12 are in the talks. I can't remember which one it was. With Stanford Stanford's and, leaving. and Cal. Or sorry. Yeah, Stanford Stanford's and, leaving. Stanford's leaving for sure. It's just a matter of where they're going to land. The other teams, I assume, will just be absorbed by the Mountain West. Right. I don't really know because you had Arizona, Arizona State, and uh, Utah all announced that they're joining the Big 12 with all within the last week. So you've got so many things going on. This is the new world of college sports. It's crazy. It's starting to happen in high school as well. <clears throat> Even in the state of Indiana, you got kids who are leaving schools to go play at private schools because they think it's better. You've got other schools that are leaving conferences and joining conferences for better competition. So it's starting to trickle down into your lower levels. And it's going to keep it's going to keep developing that way. It is, and it's unfortunate because I thought what we had was good, but nonetheless things are changing. Right. Well, and and I don't know. This is just speculation, obviously. But like within the Central Indiana Conference, if like talking about high school, let's you know throw up this local Central Indiana Conference. I mean, you're going to have teams maybe like an Elwood, 
or an Alexandria or somebody like that wiggle out of the Central Indiana Conference and go somewhere else to be competitive in return, you're going to get a Yorktown and schools like that to maybe trickle into the Central Indiana Conference. It's one of those deals like, you know, we and we can dive more into this next week because I think this is honestly a, a, a whole episode we could dedicate to talking about the trickle effect yeah. of, of all of this. And so I don't really want to get down that rabbit hole because I know we can talk about it forever. But it's interesting, and it's going to be interesting to see how this happens. It's going to be interesting. Will the Big Ten now 20 teams go into those divisions that we talked about? It's going to be interesting to see, does it get to that situation that Greg Allison brought up with you of cutting the, the fat off the meat and wiggling out some of these teams that maybe aren't so uh, – doing so hot yeah i don't know i think that this is something we can talk about for the next couple of weeks yeah i agree i mean and once again it's all speculation nothing is set in stone you know the idea of this podcast is to bring up hot topics main ideas and kind of think about it you know and this is one that i've been thinking about and strewn on for a while and then greg just kind of solidified my point and give me a new like vision so i think it's something to look not not look forward to but look forward to seeing in the future because it's going to happen. And now, not to change the football subject because we love IU football, but what everyone knows Indiana Hoosiers for is basketball. And there's been a lot of questions about IU basketball in the offseason. What's that going to look like? And we can get down a rabbit hole of talking the rosters and all of this and all of that with IU basketball, but I think the biggest question is after two years of Mike Woodson, is Mike Woodson the guy? And what's your thoughts on Mike Woodson after two years? Yeah, and it's not that we want to not talk football. I mean, football season is among us, but we've had a couple people ask questions of why have you not talked about IU basketball? Why have we not talked about Mike Woodson yet? So this was kind of an episode where we didn't have a special guest and we could be a little bit flexible. Um, we got through what we wanted to talk about for football, so we're going to spend about five to ten minutes here just talking about, is Mike Woodson the guy? We talked about it with Tom Allen. Is Tom Allen the guy? You know, we had some split, kind of what we thought. Um, I think this one adds a little bit more potential for what could be a disagreement between the two of us. But I think this is a tough question because when you look at IU basketball since Bob Knight, there's been a lot of instability. You know, you've had Mike Davis for a few years, took him to a Final Four, which was Bobby Knight's team, in my opinion. Wasn't a great coach. He got he left. Then you got Kelvin Sampson who came in, and my opinion, maybe the worst coach in IU basketball history. Not that he didn't know what he was doing, just the, where he left the institution when he left and all the cheating scandals that he was accused of. Then you get a guy in Tom Crean who I adored. I know a lot of people won't agree with that, but he rebuilt the program. You have to at least give him credit for rebuilding the program. He got it back to where it was least presentable. He brought in some big recruits. The only thing he didn't do is he couldn't coach against the 2-3 zone and he couldn't recruit the state of Indiana. Then you get Archie, who other than Kelvin, probably the worst coach IU has ever seen. This is my opinion. I would say also a lot of other people would say the same. The only one that might disagree with me is Cody. Okay, <laughs> Cody thinks Archie was all that in a bag of chips. He just, number one, he could not develop players, and number two, 
really never had any kind of success. And then you got this. Archie guy. Miller was terrible. Oh, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, just the, probably the worst. I've never been so disappointed to watch an IU basketball game because they'd score 20 points. Because there was no offense, no fluidity or nothing. Mike Woodson, though, on the other hand, this is an interesting one. He's got all the accolades. NBA coach, took the Knicks to the playoffs, was a really good coach in the NBA, and every player in the NBA says that they love him to death. You get to IU. He keeps pretty much a roster that was falling apart after Archie's departure. You know, you had all these guys in the portal saying they were leaving, and Mike convinced to stay and won 20 or more games in season number one. He made the tournament in his first year and won the first tournament game for IU since 2016. They beat Wyoming in the round of 68, if you will, because <laughs> it was a playing game. That was terrible. And then got smoked, taken out to the woodshed against St. Mary's when they got beat by like 30. Then people started to wonder, well, is Mike Woodson really the guy? Year two comes around, adds to the roster a little bit, has a really good season this past season, and they win a game in the tournament, the actual tournament. They beat Kent State, and then they lose a game in the round of 32, which many people think, well, they could have won, they could have lost. I mean, it just kind of depends on how you look at it. I don't know that they were ready to take that step yet, but nonetheless, they were in the tournament, they won a game, and they made it past the first day. You beat Purdue twice, a team that won the Big Ten tournament. so And Big Ten regular season. Right. Well, you got to think about it. Mike Woodson's record against Purdue is 3-1. and one. Archie never beat Purdue. He was like 0-9. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so many... And again, it goes down to it goes back to my point earlier when I was talking about Walt Bell. When you win, it's all credit to the players. When you lose, the finger gets pointed at one person, the coach. And it's a lose lose situation for a head coach. It always is. Yeah. In every situation that I've ever seen. If they if the coach wins, it's never because he did a good job, it's because he had a good team. If they lose it's always because of the coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. And, and that's just every every experience that I've ever had, that's the way it is. And Mike Woodson, in my opinion, is the closest thing you're going to get to Bob Knight. And and that's the problem, I think, with IU basketball fans. And, and I'm one of them. I think we are all delusional. You're not getting a Bobby Knight again. It's never going to happen. We It's a different type of world we live in. It's a different style of basketball. Bobby Knight, forget about it. I love Bob Knight. I, he's the best of all time at IU, but it's never happening again. So people need to get over that because, oh, he's not Bobby Knight. Well, no kidding. You're not going to get Bob Knight again. Mike Woodson, in my opinion, is the closest to Bob Knight you're going to get for today's style of basketball. I agree with what you're saying. A wise man once told me, if you don't got no animals, you don't got a zoo. And IU hasn't had animals, so they haven't had a zoo. Okay. They're finally starting to get some good players. Woodson's bringing in some talent. He's got some connections. He can sell to the kids that they can go to the NBA if they play for him, and he will get them there. Jalen Huchifino is a great example. The first one and done IU's had in a good while, and he's going to do great things in the NBA. He already tore it up in the summer league. Tracy Jackson Davis playing for the Warriors. Got a great opportunity. So Woodson's starting to put these players out there on the map. The idea is, though, can he coach 
in the game of college basketball. Well, I think the last few years have been kind of not a good reading on what his offense looks like because it was all centered around Trace Jackson Davis. Get the ball to him and get out of the way. Now that he's gone and we have a stretch five with Ware, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of offense he decides to run and will it best suit the team that we have. I would like to think it would be more of a get up and down the floor, get out, and they've already shot the ball a lot more than when Archie was the coach, and they made (laughs) a lot lot more. more. So there's a lot more fluidity to the offense now under Mike Woodson than there was with Archie, and they've taken a huge step up defensively compared to what what it was under Archie. Now from Woodson year one to Woodson year two, there was a decline in defense, but the idea of the pack line defense in college basketball is, I think, a dying art. Archie wanted to play pack line. It didn't work because you got so many athletic kids, so much potential on the perimeter. Woodson is more of the scramble NBA-style defense, and it's worked really well at IU. They've been very solid defensively through two years. It's can they win the big game? Woodson's proven he can beat Purdue. He's 3-1. and one. Here's the idea. If you're beating Purdue, you're going to keep your job at IU because that's what IU fans want. Now, yes, you want to win a national championship. Yes, you want to win a big. You want to win the Big Ten. Your second all-time in Big Ten championships regular season. You've never even played, but in one Big Ten championship tournament game, like in the actual championship game, one time, and you lost. Okay, so I don't really know what the expectation is this year. I know a lot of people are criticizing Woodson saying that he's not the man for the job and he doesn't know what he's doing and he can't recruit. But then I tell all those people, he's won a tournament game. He's actually won two. He's 3-1 and one against Purdue. You have to look at IU from a different lens now. We're not the powerhouse that wins a national championship once every seven years. Woodson's doing everything that they've asked. He's bringing good kids into the university. It's now can they win with these talented young kids. I think that this team's going to be different, much different. It's going to be a lot different look this year, and I think IU's going to have a great season. Now, will that be a Big Ten champion? No, probably not. Purdue brings back everybody. Michigan State's loaded. You've got a lot of teams near the top that are good, but IU's in the top four or five. And I think as we wrap up this episode, my question, not only for you, but for everyone else that's listening that has an opinion on the Mike Woodson situation, I'm going to revert back to our question that we asked with Tom Allen. If not Tom Allen, then who? If not Mike Woodson, then who? I don't know that I know the answer to who it would be, but the IU basketball job, and I know Cody's going to disagree with me on this one because I think we've talked about it before, but it's one of the most appealing jobs in the country. And I know you don't agree with me, and I know he doesn't agree with me, but it's one of the most it's one of the most eyeball jobs in the country because you've got the fan base and you've got the media. It's one of the most historic programs. You can celebrate. If you can be a good coach, you can sell your brand at a huge institution like this. You've got to have the right pieces. You're not going to agree. Cody's not going to agree. I think that people and and I might look stupid because nobody was breaking down the wall to take the job when Archie left. But the program was not in a good state. When Woodson leaves, the program is going to be left in a lot better state than what it was. 
Woodson's old. He's only got five, six years left, if that. He's going to leave that program in the hands of somebody who's going to take over maybe the best job in the country because he's going to have a lot of youth, he's going to have a lot of talent, and he's, IU's going to have a lot of connections then. So you can't tell me that's not one of the best jobs in the country. History sells. It does, I, in my opinion. I would say yes and no because I'm going to say no, I don't think it is an appealing job, and here's why. You have... Outside of history, you have nothing to show for to recent date. With that being said, I do agree that with Mike Woodson doing what he's done, he's going to leave the university, the program, in a much better state than Archie Miller left it with. And in return, it will be a much more appealing job than it was for Mike Woodson when he came in to replace Archie Miller. But I still to this point don't think that it is one of the most appealing jobs in all of college basketball because of like I said I I get what you're saying history does sell I don't disagree with that point but to my in my opinion and again I've never coached I have no idea but if I'm looking at a job I'm not going somewhere that hasn't had any success at least I I should say at the college level, if I'm, if I have, if I can pick and choose, Hey, I'm going to go coach here and I can choose what happens. I'm not going to a school that hasn't showed me any recent success uh, over a school that has maybe won a national championship over the last seven, eight years. Yeah. But that job that has a national champion in the last seven, eight years probably isn't open. Whereas an IU is a diamond in the rough because it has been done before. You can win at Indiana. You can. It's been proven that you can win. Even in the last 25 years, it's proven that you can win there when all and everything go together well. And Woodson's starting to show that. I'm telling you, I think that they'll be breaking down doors to take this job. I think that it's one of the most selling jobs in the country. I think there's a select few. North Carolina, Duke. Kansas, IU, and Kentucky, those right there, I would guarantee you, and IU's not in that same conversation as some of those blue bloods now and these one-and-done programs. IU's not there, but you can see Woodson kind of teetering with that line. He's starting to get these big names. They're probably going to be one-and-dones. So IU is on the brink of being something really good if you look at it from that perspective. So I'm just trying to think outside the box here. I like it. Well, it's going to be a lot of topics to talk about within IU Athletics over the next however long we decide to do this podcast, which we're having a blast. And as long as we're having a blast, I'm sure we're going to keep doing this. It's going to be fun. IU football coming up September 2nd against Ohio State. I'm going to start the hashtag right now. Hashtag beat the Buckeyes. Yes. I know that I'm probably the only one in america that thinks it's even possible you might be the only one but i like to be optimistic i always like to say you got to speak it into reality and so for me i'm going to speak the hoosiers beating ohio state into reality even though i'm the only person in america that even believes that that's even a possibility (laughs) stay up to date with everything that we're doing within the press box on social media you can follow along on Twitter at INT Press Box. You can follow along on Facebook at In the Press Box. You can now listen to us on all kinds of different uh, platforms from iHeartRadio to Apple Podcasts to now Spotify. We've made it a lot more convenient for you, the listener, to be able to listen to. And you can follow along 
uh, with Josh Dakin on Twitter, at Josh Dakin, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I'm at Dalton Bishop 00. We both have Facebook, Josh Dakin, of course, and Dalton Bishop. So follow along with what we're doing and keep up to date with In the Press Box. We've got a lot more to get to, uh, not only on our Wednesday episodes, but as well as our IU episodes. Again, this is Season 1, Episode number 7 of In the Press Box. <laughs>